You are listening to the new Mutual Audio Network. Welcome home. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance. Hi there and welcome to Sonic Society, the world's largest showcase of modern audio theatre. Tonight is episode 546 and I'm David Alt. And Jack Ward is still working on report cards as we speak. Well, he says that, but I think he just had a really good birthday. But they are due in tomorrow, so all will be well for next week. In the meantime, I hope all of you have dug well and truly into Nad's Rim and are well through your first week and burning into your second acts or fourth episodes or whatever it is that you've done. I know Jack's excited to get caught up with his series Proximity, which we'll get to chat about next week. Tonight, though, we present another episode from Club 40 Audio's anthology series The Factory. Tonight, it's part one of The Lock Whisperer by Wesley Critchfield. And while we may be missing Jack behind the hosting microphone, listen for him in tonight's play, as it all begins right here on the Sonic Society. Wee Willy Winky runs through the town. Keys. Keys, where are my keys? Ah. No, no, no. Oh, yes. Upstairs and downstairs in a nightgown. Oh. Rattling the window, crying at the lock. Club 40 Audio presents The Factory. Thank you. 
Oh my, what do we have here? A new arrival? We weren't expecting any deliveries. Oh, but I see you must be lost. Weren't expecting to get dropped off by the side of the road. It happens more often than you think. You'll have to excuse me for standing back in the shadows, but I prefer not to be exposed to the moonlight. Please, please, come in. You'll have to excuse me, but we don't have any telephones here. We receive our communications by other means. Don't worry, we are not allowed to touch you. Unlike others who have come here before, there are certain people who have a purpose, things left to do, and I can see that you are one of them. A transport will arrive for you soon, but that's no reason not to have a look around. Come, explore with me our Hall of Curiosities. Here at the factory, we make various items. We've been around for what seems like forever. There are so many interesting stories behind items that may seem mundane. This, for instance. A simple door set in a frame. The wood is old now and the paint peeling. But when we look closer, what do we find? Why? It's an old-fashioned lock and key, made here at the factory, oh, so long ago. But it's not embedded into the door. It's far too old for that. The entire mechanism is exposed. And if you get close enough, you might still be able to hear the voice of the strange creature who once cried at this lock. And perhaps... The voice of the even stranger man who answered him. Dorothy, which town is next on the map? A little town. Its name ends with Shire. But I can't read the first part because someone has dripped marmalade on the map. And it's erase the fine print. Hmm. Honestly, Professor, if you're going to eat your morning toast with so much marmalade, the least you can do is not use our map as a placemat. Dorothy, if there's one thing I cannot abide, it's someone telling me how to eat my marmalade. If you'll persist, I shall find it necessary to part ways with you. And you'd be lost inside of four minutes with a broken axle and the horses running all across the countryside. Face it, you need me, Professor, much as I need you. Possibly even more so. The fact that it is true does not make it necessary to rub in one's face at every opportunity, my dear. <laughs> Dorothy, here comes someone. Please inquire to them as to the direction of the centre of town. You could just ask him yourself, you know. I could, but then I would ruin my mystique, which is important to maintain at all times. 
Remember that. <sighs> Mistake, yeah, yeah, sure. Excuse me, sir. Which way to the town square? Oh, you don't want to be going there, Missy. That town is afflicted. Afflicting? You mean the plague? Nothing so horse as that. That town be cursed. Then it is indeed fortunate that I have come to town. Professor Marvel is my name. I'm a purveyor of goods, medicines, and remedies from far and abroad. And I shall rid your town of its dilemma. Weren't you maintaining your mistake? Impudent girl. What's this curse all about now, eh? I don't know what brung it on. It's probably those pig farmers on the other side of town. I never liked them. What with all the reading they have their children do. <laughs> Stay away from books, I says. Ain't nothing worth learning if it was ever written down in a book. My good sir, I will have you know that... It'd save the lecture for later, Professor. Hmm. Go on, sir. Please tell us what's wrong with the town. Every night, just at ten o'clock... Any man found walking the streets meets his end. Gobbled up by the lock whisperer, they says. The lock whisperer? Oh, aye. He comes round at every house or dwelling place and he whispers the same thing. All the children in their beds, he says. All the children in their beds. Sounds as if he were enforcing some sort of curfew. That he is, sir, make no mistake. If he finds you... All that will be left in the morning is a rotten husk with all its life drained away. I seen one of its victims myself, and there weren't nothing left much more than a pile of ashes and a few crumbling bones. It's as if he were burnt to cinders right where he stood. Seems more like some night watchman got drunk, fell into the flames, if you ask me. He was a night watchman at that. That's why he got taken. He was out in the streets when he oughtn't have been. Now the night watch does all their watching from the windows. Yet they ain't never seen hide nor hair of the lock whisperer. I thank you, good sir. Please accept this bottle of my latest hair growth tonic as compensation for your time. I'll be thanking you, sir, but I ain't been needing any more hair than I got. Twas nothing but a nuisance when I had it, and now that it's gone, I don't be wanting it back. I don't need to deal with any more lice than I've already got. Yuck. Ah, well... Then, perhaps, uh, yes, some lanolin would be the best thing for you instead. Take a good bath in the creek, and then apply this generously. And be sure to tighten your belt so as not to lose your trousers. Now you sound like my dead wife. You don't bathe enough, Henry. Small wonder you're always covered with lies all the time. Glad she's dead, I am. On, Romulus, on, Remus. Let us find the centre of town and offer our services to those in such desperate need. You don't think there's anything to what that man was saying, do you? There's almost certainly something to it. Otherwise it wouldn't have been said. Our lice-ridden friend does not seem like the kind clever or impish enough to have concocted such a story on his own. Especially not for our sole benefit. There's most definitely something afoot. How do we manage to stumble onto these things everywhere we go, Professor? The universe has a way of calling those who are best suited to go where they are most needed, Dorothy. And I, and to some extent you, are best suited to deal with the most. Therefore, we are called upon the most. Well, I wish the universe would call on someone else for once. 
Yes, 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 my friends. And it's no lie, as you may have heard from other such traveling salesmen. My diplomas are 100% real. I welcome you to come and examine them for yourself at any time, as they are prominently displayed on my cart. A bottle of my hair tonic is guaranteed to grow back your hair, possibly to a point you never expected. In some cases, people who have used it have had to cut their hair twice a week just to keep it manageable. My cold and fever relief medicine will ease your symptoms within hours of taking it. It's my coughing, sneezing, runny nose, aching, burning, itching, so you can sleep through the night and have a good morning medicine. And today only, as a special offer to you good people of this fine town, all the way from Paris, France, I give you Professor Marvel's very own special blend of herbs and spices. In revitalizing, stamina renewing, I'm ready to go three rounds with a grizzly bear and an iron cage inducing power tea. Yes, 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 yes. Just one cup of this marvellous tea in the morning and you'll be ready to take on whatever the day can throw at you. Yes, and of course I have all manner of homemade remedies and powders ready to be mixed and made to your specifications as needed. So, who will be the first to step up and buy one of my fabulous formulas, starting at only 50p a bottle? Ah, yes, yes, excellent, very good, very good. Ah, ah, thank you, thank you, yes, yes. Ah, you're welcome, sir, you are very welcome. Ah, ah the tea, yes, of course, may, may you always drink it in good health, madam. Thank you, thank you. Do Dorothy, Dorothy, would you please bring out another box of the hair tonic? I'm running a bit short up here. Immediately, Professor. And what are you going to do about the lock whisperer? I beg your pardon, sir? I said, what are you going to do about the lock whisperer? For nearly a month now, these streets have not been safe to walk at night. Four men have died already, and he's as much as said he's after our children. And the side of your wagon says you offer special aid in exterminations. So how about it? You gonna help us or not? Well, Professor? My good sir, it is comforting to know that in this village there is not only a man of keen observation, but that he is also capable of reading. I have indeed heard of your town's so-called Lock Whisperer, and I will be very glad to assist your town. If one of you would kindly direct your mayor to me after I am finished with my sale of goods, I would be very glad to speak over the details with him. And together, we will make this town safe again. And now, Dorothy, about that tonic. On it, Professor. I hope you haven't promised more than you can deliver as usual. Your vote of confidence is overwhelming. Now, who wants to buy some cold remedy? Well, Professor, that would seem to be the last of them for today. And just in time. We're nearly out of everything. Except your power tea. Just smelling that makes me ill. Well, I never said it tasted like honey. Honey, you know, that might be just a thing to improve it. No, it won't. I've tried. Hmm. The sun is going down, Professor. I'd say we've got less than an hour. Indeed you have. Ah, the young gentleman who called me out in the midst of my performance. What may I do for you? Where is your mayor? That would be me, I have to tell you, mister. Professor, please. 
What may I do for you and your fine town? Well, sir, we don't rightly know what it is, but the folks around here have taken it to calling it the Lock Whisperer. Ah, yes, quite. A man on the road told me all about it. How this creature is asking about your juveniles and whether they are in a state of repose. How's that? He asks if the children are in their beds. Oh, yes. The same gentleman also informed me that you had a few people taken up by this monstrosity. Oh, they weren't taken up. They were killed. Killed dead, if you'll believe me. Indeed. Might it be possible to see the remains of these poor souls? No, sir. They're all turned a little more than bones and ashes. And not knowing what to make of it, we buried the remains as quickly as possible. No boxes, even. The last one was three nights ago. Hmm. That is a shame. A brief look at those ashes might have been invaluable to finding a solution. Or at least a resolution as to what we're up against. Couldn't you just dig them up again and examine the remains? No good. If they return to dust, they might be too contaminated by the soil of the graves. Dig them up? And have ghosts stalking our streets with whatever the Lock Whisperer is, too? We wouldn't have a town left. Don't be silly, my good man. There are no such things as ghosts. Remembrances recorded in the rock of a place, perhaps, but not spirits walking the earth in a shroud. You might change your mind about that when you see the Lock Whisperer, or rather when you don't. No one has seen him, but we've all heard it. Moving through the streets at night, heard his weight as he's crawling up the stairs to give his warning. And when exactly was the last time you heard of a ghost having weight? That's not new. Ghosts are always walking up and down creaky stairs in old houses, picking up chains and rattling them. Quite. Thank you for your keen observations, Dorothy. Happy to help, Prof. The sun's setting. We best be indoors. Come on, and tie up your horses at my house. Well, there's the hour. Yes, and the doors are all sealed, as well as the shutters. Yes, small wonder no one's seen the creature if you're locking all the doors and windows. Well, there are some that believe if you see the creature, the mere sight will kill you, which is why no one living has claimed to see it. Have any of the night watchmen been turned to dust in their upper bedrooms? Now that you mention it, no. You see? But none of them has claimed to see it either, except one. Ah, now we come to it. Well, he didn't see it exactly. He said he saw a white sheet that might have had someone under it a moment before, but then it fell to the ground. Most folks think it was just someone's laundry that got caught in a good stiff breeze. Ah, the proverbial ghost under the sheet, eh? Oh, whistle, and I will come to you, my lad. Hmm? What? Don't pay any mind to the professor. He's always saying things that make sense to him alone. I was merely referencing a story by M. What was that? Seems it was nothing when he comes to your door. You know it. Yes. I thought the phenomenon was supposed to exhibit itself precisely at ten o'clock. And yet here we are, still waiting. Well, it couldn't exactly be at every door in precisely ten now, could it? There would have to be at least fifty of them to visit every house in the village proper at the exact same time. You can't be in two places at the exact same time now, can you? You would be surprised. I should be used to such two-dimensional thinking by now. Yet it never ceases to amaze me. Bad dream, Papa. 
I dreamt the boy was in my room again. I could see the moonlight shining through his long fingernails. He had a wound in his side, Papa. His heart. He wanted his heart. Now, Monty, I told you there was no one in your room. Excuse me, Professor. Ahem. <coughs> and later, I have to put young Monty back to his bed. Now, Monty, I want you to remember to say your prayers. If you say them and believe them, nothing can harm you. Professor, you know, you really must be careful. One slip like that and you could set a chain reaction that gives opposition away. Oh, nonsense. The odds of a small slip like that having repercussions outside of this room five minutes from now are unlikely, let alone... Prof? Yes, I heard it too. We'll see about this. Professor, no, don't! Have at you, my fine fellow! Ah! Come back here, you little dickens! No, my ears. Professor! I'm all right, Dorothy. I'm all right. It's gone. What happened? What is that? Oh, this? (laughs) It would seem to be a nightgown of some sort. Presumably torn from someone's laundry line. What did you say? What was at the door? The lock whisperer, one must assume. But he had draped himself in this. Very strange. He wasn't wearing it properly. Whatever was at the door was far too short for that. Instead, it was draped like a sheet over it. And when I reached for it, it came away with ease. And what was under the sheet? Why, nothing. Nothing at all. Oh, Professor! I did see what looked like a black shadow fleeing away from me in the darkness. But without any street lamps, I couldn't make out any details. Except it was humanoid. Humanoid? But not human? Decidedly not. No child, no human child, or midget could have made that noise. What was that? What happened? It would seem the lock whisperer paid your house a visit. I went out to greet him. You, you, you saw it? In a manner of speaking, yes. And you are still alive. How are you still alive? An excellent question. One I will take up with the lock whisperer when we meet again. But it would seem that he is not... Professor! Right! Follow me! Mayor, lock your door after us! Where to, Prof? I... I don't know. There was only the single scream. Did anyone see anything? Where did that scream come from? My old man Willoughby's house. Thank you. Professor. I I see it. I see it, Dorothy. We're too late. Dust. (sighs) He's been turned to dust. Nothing but his bones left. Yes. But do you smell that, Dorothy? I'm not sure. What, um... (sighs) What am I smelling for? 
That, that peculiar odour. It's just like... Just like the smell of earth after rain. No, no, Dorothy. Not after the rain. Just before it. More specifically, before a lightning storm. Ozone. What's that? A peculiar mix of oxygen. Three atoms of oxygen together. Something that is only caused by... By electricity. Precisely. There's been a massive discharge of electrical energy. And there's another smell I've noticed, or rather that I've noticed its absence. What? Char. The smell of a human body being cooked in its own juices. (coughs) Professor! My apologies, my dear, but it is an important observation. This man was not struck by lightning, for there are no burn marks upon the ground, nor on his clothes, as there most certainly would have been. Also, I've never known of a lightning strike to completely dissolve a human body. What's all this, then? It would seem the Lock Whisperer has taken another victim. And who might you be, mister? Say, wait a minute. You're that professor bloke I saw selling your wares in town. That I am, my good lad, and I can see from your uniform that you are the constable. That's right, I am. Leastways, at night I am. There's another man that has the job in the daytime. Sub every second Tuesday. Splendid. Be a good lad and run for the local doctor. We ain't got a local doctor no more. And why, pray, do you not? Oh, that's him lying in the street. Or what's left of him, isn't it? Oh, dear. How do you know? Well, that's his clothes, to be sure. That, and I found his bag lying in the street back there. Ah, so it would seem. Here now, what's that you're doing? I'm collecting a sample for scientific analysis. That's desecration of a corpse, it is. Perhaps, but it's the only way to find out what happened to him. As if you didn't know. You might as well confess. Make an easy job of it. Confess? Confess to what? Why, running the doctor down and turning him to dust. You think we did this? It's not a matter of what I think. It's a matter of what the evidence says. And the two of you is the only ones are standing over the body. My good man, I can assure you that not two minutes before this man died, we were in the house of your mayor... Attempting to assist in the apprehension of whatever beastie stalks your town at night. That'll be a matter for us to question him on in the morning. In the morning? Why not take us to his door right now and ask him about it? I can't do that, Missy. Tis after ten o'clock when all good Christians should be abed. I can't be disturbing his honour the mayor this late for anything less than an emergency. Professor, it's too early for you to be playing into stereotypes. A bit too much, you think? Too much? (sighs) Too early. While you are wasting the nocturnal hours asleep, my brain has been turning over our problem. Mm. How do we get out of jail? No, 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 that'll be taken care of shortly enough. The mayor will set all that to right. 
No, I was thinking about the doctor who was killed last night. I'm amazed I could sleep after seeing that. But it's hardly the worst thing I've seen since I've joined up with you. There's little more than a pile of dust. For dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return. Oh, Genesis 3.19. Quite. It's good to know you haven't neglected your reading. However... In this man's case, the process has been auspiciously expedited. Sometimes I think you just like to string words together just because of the way they sound, rather than actually making sense. Dorothy, do you know what is the one thing that keeps a human body from dissolving into dust at any given moment? Cellular density? Aided by what is in every single cell of the human body. Water. Every last drop of water was removed from this man's body, reducing him to his most base elements. All right, Prof. I'll bite. Oh, wise professor, what on earth could possibly do that to a human? Your melodramatic antics notwithstanding, it is a question which I do not yet have an answer to. It is certainly not a child or a midget covered by a sheet. Oh, Professor Marvel, I'm so sorry you spent the night locked up in here. The constable will be severely reprimanded for what he's done. Not at all, sir. It's actually one of the more comfortable jail cells I've ever had the pleasure of occupying. Speak for yourself. I believe I was. I assume the crime scene has already been dusted up? Some of the townsfolk did take that liberty, sir, I regret to say. However... I was able to have his clothes collected from the scene, and they won't be buried with the man or what remained of him. Not until we have your say-so. How kind of you. Please have them brought to my cart. I shall wish to examine them, though I doubt they shall be of much aid now. And so the Lock Whisperer claims another life. Oh, my dear Mayor, I can assure you whatever claimed the life of the town doctor last night was most certainly not the Lock Whisperer. At least not the creature I saw. What makes you say that, Professor? The thing under the nightgown last night was a timid creature. I started it off merely by opening the door. It screamed at me and tried to scare me back inside, but when I confronted it, it ran. Now surely, any creature capable of turning a full-grown man into dust in a matter of seconds, a minute at the most, would have no qualms about doing it to a man who happened to be coming out of a house as opposed to a man who was walking down the middle of a street. But if it wasn't the Lock Whisperer, then what was it? Why turn a man to dust? Six men, actually. Five before and the doctor last night. Of course, I don't know as of yet. I've been divorced from my equipment all night. Though I shall have some answers soon enough. Mr. Mayor, if you would be so kind, I would like you to send that young constable around and find out exactly how many people in this town are capable of reading. Reading? Yes, it's the ability to look at symbols on a page and turn them into proper sounds and extract information. Hilarious, Professor. Yes, I rather thought so. What does the ability to read have to do with any of this? Perhaps nothing. Perhaps everything. But I want the constable back at my car with a full list of names before tea time. Meanwhile, I'll be conducting experiments. Oh, there you are, Dorothy. Yes, Professor. Brought you some mutton if you're hungry. Quite kind of you, my dear. 
But at the moment, the only thing I hunger for is knowledge. Suit yourself. I always do. Thank you. Also, would you mark down that I sold three bottles of hair tonic and two bottles of lanolin? I would have done it myself, but I was quite busy at the time. Right, sure. Any new revelations? Something quite fascinating, actually. You will recall my telling you that the causation of these men turning into dust was that every drop of moisture had been drawn from their bodies? Yes. Well, it turns out the moisture was not the only thing that's missing from this sample. What else is missing? She asked, a quiver with anticipation. Salts. You've heard the expression, a man is not worth his salt, I assume. Well, these men had theirs removed. But how would they manage that? How could you separate the salts out of a human body and dissolve it completely in a matter of minutes, let alone days or weeks? How indeed. The answer lies in the absence of water. Here, look at this. I have placed these two electrical leads into a glass of purified water. Now, I turn the handcrake on this electrostatic generator. Would you be so good as to read off the numbers on the gauge? There's next to nothing, Professor. That's right, because the purified water is not a good conductor of electricity. But now, watch what happens when I add just a teaspoon of table salt to the same glass of water. Much better. Almost half the gauges lit up. Correct. And one might assume that a similar reaction might have occurred when the powdered remains of the good doctor were put into water. Here is that beaker. But observe. Nothing. It's exactly the same as the purified water. Exactly. The reason is that all the salts, iron, electrolytes, everything that was a good conductor of electricity has been removed. All right, Paul, fall by. How was it done? By an extension of the very same process which you have just observed, Dorothy. Electrolysis. You've lost me. Do you recall that strange smell we noted just last night? Not the smell of cooked flesh, but the peculiar odour that many have noted just before a thunderstorm? Ozone. Electrolysis. A process of separating chemicals in a fluid solution. One of its side effects is a large quantity of ozone. In essence, the creature that attacked the doctor last night is a walking electrolysis factory. He separates all the nutrients he needs. He absorbs them, not by eating, but by electrolysis. The water is absorbed and evaporated, taking with it all the man's electrolytes and leaving behind nothing but piles of dust. Very efficient. You almost sound as if you admire this thing. I admire its purity. All the same, we need to stop it. But now we know how it works. And perhaps there's a way to put a halt to its nocturnal homicidal activity. Speaking of which, where is the constable with that list of names? It's well past tea time. All this talk of people being evaporated would have put me off my tea. If I'd had any. But, Professor, if the thing that murdered the Doctor and the Lock Whisperer are not the same thing, what's the connection? An excellent question. The Lock Whisperer seems to have a different agenda. Until now, the people of this town have believed that he was here to torment them, and that his cries were meant to intimidate. But what if he's been protecting them the whole time? Think about his warning. Are the children in their beds? People believed it to be a threat. If your children aren't in bed, I'm going to eat them. 
or what if he really has their welfare in mind? And perhaps you didn't hear what I heard. When he approached the door, he said, Are the children in their beds? But he followed it up with, For it's nearly ten o'clock, and his choice of attire can hardly be overlooked. Wee Willy Winky, are you serious? Do you mean to say that Wee Willy Winky is real? That he's some kind of night spirit? No, 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 of course not. Any man of science knows that spirits and fairies are all nonsense and tommy rot. However, that doesn't mean that something didn't hear the rhyme and adopt the persona. But why all the subterfuge? Why not come right out and say, Hey, folks, here's a dirty great monster running around in the night. If you don't stay inside and lock your doors, he's going to turn you into a refreshing beverage pack chock full of electrolytes. Perhaps he doesn't know how to. It's possible that he heard the rhyme and understood just enough to repeat the last sentence of the first stanza. Perhaps he is like some birds who can only repeat the sounds he hears. And all he knows is the sounds he is repeating produce the desired result. The universe is full of a diverse variety of strange creatures, my dear Dorothy. And until one has actually met them, it's not always wise to assume their lack of intelligence. Perhaps not even then. Where is that constable? I'll tell you where the constable is, Professor. I can tell you exactly where he is. As in moves since I left him. And how can you be sure of that? I'll tell you how. He's dead. Dead? What's happened? It's the middle of the day. You don't mean to say that the lock... No, no, it, it wasn't the lock whisperer. At least I don't think so. He was in the middle of the road when we found him, coming back from the pig farmers. He was on foot, and it looks like he tripped and hit his head against a rock. He had this list in his hand. Hmm. A short list, indeed. But then he was killed in the course of his duty. The pig farmers... Hmm. That's the second time they've come up. And yet, so far as I know, I have yet to meet them. They don't come into town much. Scottish folk. Folks aren't exactly openly hostile. They don't like them being around much either. I think it's more on the count of them being able to read than it is their nationality. Folks around here want people as can read in places of government and the church. They aren't altogether fond of common folk flaunting it. Scottish. Indeed. Hmm. Dorothy? Get the horses ready. I think we shall pay a call upon these pig farmers. We'll have to beware of rooks along the way, Professor. Indeed. Mary, it would seem we have visitors coming. Put the kettle on. I said one day... My, aren't we high and mighty? Don't argue with me, woman. This ain't the constable coming around again. This be the professor we heard tale of. Indeed I am. Professor Marvel, at your service. Oh, there be no need to be offering your services here, sir. We have no need of them. Are you so sure of that, sir? You hardly know what I have to offer. I read your wagon, and we are quite fine with our own remedies here. Mary's uh, do the trick every time. Or nearly so, but thank the good Lord we don't have any ailments that need curing around here today. Of course, I don't mean to be unneighborly to you. If you have time, we'd be pleased to have you for tea. We really, really don't have time for tea. Of course we have time for tea. I would love to join you and your lovely family for a nice warm cuppa. Right this way. Dorothy, you should never refuse tea when it is offered. It is rude... And that's how wars are started. 
Leave your boots on the porch, if you will. I'd rather not have mud tracked all over my house. Ah, the tea smells splendid. I should say so. My woman knows how to make a good pot of tea now and then. It's the main reason I asked her to marry me. <laughs> you know fine and proper. It was me who told you you were going to marry me, Mr. McTavish. Aye, so it was. Now, sir, you were offering me your service. Permit me to do the same in kind. What brings you out here in this stormy afternoon? Ah, that's very decent of you, sir. In fact, there is something you can do for me. I should like to see your collection of books. Books? You came all the way from the village to see my books? More specifically, your children's books. I understand you and your family are people of letters. Graham ain't no man of letters, much as I've tried to make him one. It were me who reads to the children and teaches them how to read and write. Aye, it is true. My parents were pig farmers, and they were pig farmers before them and so on. Mary taught herself more or less, wanted to go to college afar off. But they wouldn't have her on account of her being a woman. It's a shame to be sure. But that made it so I could have her, and Oxford lost is my game. As I see it. There you go, telling stories again, McTavish. It was never Oxford. It might have been, me dear. It might have been. Oh, my, the tea is delightful. Don't you think, Dorothy? Yes, quite excellent. I need to know if you have any volumes of nursery rhymes in your collection, particularly Whistle Binky, Stories for the Fireside. The William Miller book? Well, I never. I didn't think anyone knew about that one. It weren't very popular, except where we came from. Madam, I think you underestimate the scope that book and its sequels will have in years to come. Particularly the verse about the certain boy who uses his bipedal extremities to gallivant through the burrows adorned what in the a... professor means is, have you read the one about Wee Willy Winky? Hmm, I was rather on a roll with that one. Oh, I, him. The children love that one. They ask me to read it to them nearly every night. And are you aware of the current unpleasantness befalling the nearby town? You mean the murders? Oh, yes, we heard about them, but only by word until today when the young constable came asking questions. He asked how many people in the house could read. I never would have thought that had ought to do with the murders. Are you aware of the so-called Lock Whisperer and what he says at those keyholes? Oh, Graham, you don't suppose... Can't say we are, and we don't want to know. Did you just try to put me down, McTavish? No. Mary, no, I, I simply... McTavish. Yes, ma'am. My apologies. Please, continue, madam. I mean as to ask Mr. McTavish if he thought the voices in town might have ought to do with the fairies. Fairies? You mean little people with wings? Ach, no, you daft girl. Not that. The down the people of the mounds. People of the mounds, indeed. Scoff if you like, McTavish, but I have seen him around here with my own two eyes. Pfft! Nonsense. At most you've seen a will of the wisp of St. Elmo's fire. There's all kinds of gases in the marshlands, Professor. You're liable to see or hear anything in the moors at night. 
What exactly have you seen, madam? I, I can't rightly see, but I've seen the little figures moving about the farm at night in their shadows. Especially when I read bedtime stories, I could swear I've seen eyes lurking at the windows. But when I look at them directly, they're gone again. And I've heard them whispering so as nobody can make out the words. Do they seem malicious? Quite the opposite, in fact. Manny's the time when I have said, I have some chore to do in the morning. And when I wake up, I find it already done. The children were in their beds all night, and McTavish never left me side. But I would find some of my most difficult chores already done and waiting for me. Neat as you please. And before moving to this locality, had you ever seen them before? No, not once. I tell you I've never believed in them until we moved here. Since then there's hardly been a night I haven't seen or heard some evidence of them. You've been of inestimable value to my investigation. Your investigation? I thought it was the constable's investigation. He was assisting me, but now as he is no longer among the living... (gasps) I don't think they'd heard, Professor. A thousand apologies. It would seem the young man met his end quite by accident. He fell and hit his head on a rock, I'm afraid. How dreadful. I I shall be certain to light a candle for him. And his dear mother. Quite. Uh, It is very sad indeed. Before we go, I was wondering if I might inquire as to where your children are at the moment. You don't think that there is... No, no. Uh, The the constable's death was quite unrelated so far as we can tell. Take my word, you have nothing to fear until nightfall. Now, um, where are the little dears? Mary is out in the field picking berries for dessert after supper. And William and Martin are tending to the horse. And the sheep? Sheep? Yes, the herd of sheep that has been near town all this week. I imagine you have the children guide them up into the hills and then shepherd them back home during the evenings? We ain't got no sheep out here, Professor. Nor does anyone around here. So far as we know, nearest sheep farm is nearly five miles away. Curious. And who is shepherding them, I wonder? Might just be a parcel of wild roaming sheep. You are forgetting your reading, Dorothy. All we like sheep are gone astray. Sheep don't generally stay together without a shepherd. That's one reason I prefer pigs. Pigs stick together more likely or not. That, and you can't just throw a fence or two around them and slop them around time to time, long as they don't rot their way out. You don't have to move them from pasture to pasture like sheep. This has all been quite informative, and we thank you for your hospitality. Dorothy, have you finished your tea? Just now, Professor. Then we must be going. We have a great deal to do before nightfall. It was a pleasure having some company for once, Professor. Aye, especially man of learning. We thank you, folks. And, Mary, would you really like to attend a college? Uh, I don't know if it's feasible now, what with the farm and the children. Why? Well, I just happen to know of a college for ladies that will be starting up soon. Would you mind me passing your address along to a friend of mine? She's very well connected and might be able to arrange a scholarship for you. Oh, that'd be a marvellous thing. Most marvellous, Professor. Very well. I shall do as promised, and assuming all goes well, you should expect a response by the end of the month. 
Dorothy, would you be so good as to remind me to post a letter to Lady Stanley of Alderley? Of course, Prof. Good day to you all, and mind that you have the children in bed after sundown. Thank you, Professor. We will. He was a strange one, was he not, McTavish? McTavish? Aye. <gasps> that he was, strange as the day is long. Nice, though. And that's this week's show. As always, please take a moment and leave us a review on iTunes. We don't have a Patreon account, and we want to get the word out about all the great entertainment of modern audio theatre. If you want to help us, an iTunes review is one of the very best ways. You could also email us at sonicsociety at gmail.com, visit us at sonicsociety.org, or the Facebook group, or even on Twitter. We really do love to hear from you, and yeah, we are actually really nice people, so do drop us a line. But be here next week in the Society with Jack's return, the conclusion of The Lock Whisperer, a chat about Nadsrim, an update on the 2020 modern audio drama convention, and all things audio. Why would you miss it? Until then, I'm David Alt. Good night. Sonic Society is written and produced weekly by Jack J. Ward and David Alt, with original music by Sharon B. at SharonB.com. All features, interviews, and audio drama shorts are owned completely by their originators and provided to the Sonic Society by Creative Commons Licensing. The Society itself originates from Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada. Thanks for listening. This has been an Electric Vicuna production. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty. There! That's how long twenty seconds are. The Center for Disease Control recommends you wash your hands for at least 20 seconds as often as possible. We don't think about it a lot, but more germs are transmitted by the hands than by any other source. So keep them clean. Soap and water for 20 seconds, and you'll help prevent the spread of COVID-19. And maybe some other nasty stuff as well. This was a public service announcement from the Mutual Audio Network.